God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, they got him. They got the Al-Qaeda leader, Al-Zawahiri. Wow. Big news. So he was just walking around with the Taliban in Afghanistan, and they drone striked him. Taliban's all upset. But the Taliban has been in violation of everything. Uh and stole eighty million, eighty billion dollars worth of her equipment to boot, and we're supposed to just sit idly by. It's crazy. The foreign policy of the Biden administration is absolutely nuts. And you got to think that somehow they're just—they could have killed this guy any day of the week, but they decided we need a, a new story. We need to take the focus off of Taiwan and the mess that they're making over there. Because that trip, not such a big deal, really, on the grand scheme of things, but they made it a big deal by the way that they equivocated and and uh, announced it. And what the heck is Nancy Pelosi doing over there? Why is she going? This woman can't even speak in complete sentences, and they send her over there. And then to come blatantly out and say, we do not support Taiwanese independence. Well, we haven't for a long time, but even Taiwan is conflicted as to what their independence should be. It's an island. We're going to get into a little history of Taiwan because, frankly, I didn't understand a lot of it either. But let's take a listen to Nancy Pelosi. Uh, This is, excuse the music a little bit, but... This is rich. I mean, this is a woman that can't even, you know, make sense of her own words talking to the press. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, most of the product that we've done is, except now what we, we may have added in the last hour or so, and some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. 
She sounds she drunk. Said, Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. Um, so some of the Senate oriented, and then we had the family medical need. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if Manchin doesn't like it. So, um, uh, so we are getting some bird and privilege. I think, I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub. Because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. Vertible, it's important. It's you have to take it out, but privilege violation can take you out. So, so we're again getting that as we go along as well. But when we pass a bill, then they will see it in its aggregate and make uh, some. Any concerns that any of this is quote messaging because that they have to take some of those things out regardless, no matter what you send over. You said you weren't going to send a, a messaging bill. No, no, we're not sending a bill, but we uh, want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath or privilege scrub. They're the two um, exercises we're getting engaged, bathing exercise. I have no idea what she was saying there for a minute and a half. That was Nancy Pelosi. She's going over to Taiwan to poke China in the eye for an unnecessary reason, like absolutely zero reason to be poking China that way. If you want to poke China, do what Donald Trump did. Do what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump was talking about phase one and phase two trade agreement that benefited benefited the United States so much so that China had to figure out other ways to work with America, like going after and working with governors of states to where they could do business and side skirt Trump, like they did with Governor Kemp in Georgia, who sold out America because China couldn't get anywhere with Trump. Tough love. Hey, we're nice guy, but you know, business is business. And phase one was going to be a, a game changer for the next decade. But they rigged the election and they got these weasels in power. And here we are suffering from it. They cleaned up their mess in Ukraine. They laundered all the money. They got away with it. This all starts, this all goes back to the Russian hoax. This all goes back to Trump coming down the escalator. This all started when Trump came down the escalator. And everybody just tried to write it off as a joke. And they were, you know, basically using comedy like, oh, we want you to run, right? We want you to run. We want you to do this. But, you know, we'll pay you. It'll be entertaining. And then their worst nightmare came true. And the truth teller, the guy that basically said, we're going to take your, your censorship shield off your chest and throw it in the toilet. We're going to take that badge of political correctness and we're just basically going to flush it. And that's what they that's what Trump did. He did that. 
And he took all of those little toys that they had to, to, to stifle speech. And they would just sit there and ruse America. It was a ruse. And they would just sit there and spin the narratives as if they're up here and you're down here. And Trump leveled the playing field and said, equality, not equity. Truth, not BS. And they didn't like it. They tried to play around with Me Too. They did, they did all of these things that they themselves were guilty of, these hypocrites. Just like the climate change people flying with their private jets to Davos and elsewhere. And they just wreak havoc on the world. Wreak havoc on the world. They don't care about climate. They don't care about health. If they cared about health, they would close the border. And they're lying about that now because Arizona is a situ- in a situation where I don't know if it's because of cinema. I don't think cinema has a snowball's chance to win. But um, I don't, so I don't even think she's in play. But I think that Manchin, they're worried about Manchin winning his seat because Manchin is in trouble. And so is Cinema. They have an election today. A bunch of uh, primaries. Trump's has a bunch of candidates right now that are up for grabs. We'll see what happens. It'll be very, very interesting. What are the states today? The, the states today are Arizona, Michigan. Yeah. Arizona, Michigan, Missouri. Keep your eye on Missouri. Washington, Greitens. Washington State and Kansas. So Arizona is a big one. Michigan, I think, also is a big one because those are states that we need to take back. And Missouri, I think Missouri is going to be a tricky state. And it goes back to the COVID spike. The, the, uh, there was this spike of COVID infections. And I think that they secret, this was before we knew how they were going about moving the illegal aliens through the open border, putting them on planes, and sending them to places in the United States. And I said to you, they're going to try to Georgify Missouri. Because Claire McCaskill was a radical liberal who won a statewide Senate seat in Missouri not that long ago, prior to the 2016 election. She was in power, winning statewide elections. And you got to say to yourself, well, if it was done then, and all they need, all they need is a demographic, uh, demographic change. They could flip some Senate seats or win a governorship, and make that state, you know, and possibly even make that state go blue for the presidency. And I think that they uh, had that COVID spike, and I think that COVID spike was a byproduct of secret flights going into Missouri that people didn't know about. But that's the only way you can explain this this uh, spike in COVID cases is bringing people through the open border and dumping them off in St. Louis. And, you know, and Kansas City and wherever else. You know, the thing is, is that's Black Lives Matter headquarters, right? 
because Black Lives Matter, we we know that um, Ferguson, Missouri, uh, was the ground zero for Black Lives Matter. So they got a big, you know, influence in that state. So I wouldn't, I would be very worried about that. But the states that are running um, today in their primaries are Arizona, Michigan, Missouri, Washington, and Kansas. And I think that the three that are most interesting are Kansas is always red, Washington's always blue, but Arizona, Missouri, and Michigan, you know, seem to be the, the ones that are getting the, the most attention. But that was Nancy Pelosi over in Taiwan. She's a distraction. But for John Kirby to make this statement out loud like he like he did, not even watering it down in any way, I think is pretty weak. Let's take a listen. We've repeatedly said that we oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side. We have said that we do not support Taiwan independence. And we have said that we expect cross-strait differences to be resolved by peaceful means we have communicated this directly repeated so they don't support the independence that's not really new news but to say it out loud like that is so anti-american um and then here's what china had to say let's take a listen to this about this issue u.s house speaker nancy pelosi whoops sorry I'm going to have to play that over again. This volume is way off today. Uh, all right. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is scheduled to visit Southeast Asia and East Asia this week. What's China's comment? We have repeatedly made clear our serious concerns and our strong opposition to the potential visit of Pelosi to Taiwan. And we stress there will be serious consequences if she insists on making this visit. During the phone call between President Xi and President Biden, President Xi stressed that the Chinese side's position on the Taiwan question is consistent. He stressed that safeguarding China's national sovereignty and territorial integrity is the firm will of the more than 1.4 billion Chinese people, and the public opinion cannot be denied, and those who play with fire will try by it. We believe the U.S. will be very clear about this. The potential visit, if made, will be a gross interference in China's internal affairs and severely undermine China's sovereignty and territorial integrity, tramples on the China principle, and to gravely undermine the China-U.S. relations, it will lead to a very serious uh, situation and consequence. We would like to make clear to the U.S. side again that the Chinese side is fully prepared for any eventuality, and the PLA will never sit idly by. The Chinese side will surely take strong and resolute measures to safeguard our sovereignty and territorial integrity. What the U.S. side should do is to abide by the One China Principle and the three Sino-U.S. joint communiques and honor the commitment of President Biden of not supporting Taiwan independence, and it should not arrange for Pelosi's potential visit to Taiwan. Wow. Okay. So they're pretty much laying down the law and setting the, you know, setting the standard for that. I I didn't, you know, I don't understand the uh, history the way I should. I I wanted to actually share this with you because I think a lot of our audience uh, here um, doesn't quite fully understand 
um, the Taiwanese history. It has to do with, uh, there's a lot of history behind this uh, related to World War Two uh, and uh, how things shaped up after World War Two. Let's just take a quick listen to a quick primer on uh, the history of Taiwan and why the one China policy is in play. Taiwan is an island stuck in a kind of political limbo. It's a democratic, self-governing territory. Just over the water is China, which claims Taiwan as its own. But many Taiwanese take issue with that. Then you add in the U.S., which has taken on the role of neighborhood cop. And you end up with Taiwan as the focus for many big competing interests. But to understand how we got here, you have to know the backstory. Taiwan was ruled by Imperial China for 200 years. Then Japan had it for 50 years after winning a war against China. But when Japan lost in World War II, China, one of the victors, got Taiwan back again. Then you had the Chinese Civil War. Mao Zedong's communist forces took over the mainland, while the other side, the nationalist forces of Chiang Kai-shek, escaped to Taiwan. So in 1949, China sort of split in two. And you had two rival governments, one in Taiwan, one in Beijing, both claiming they were the true government of China. The side in Taiwan was known as the Republic of China, the ROC, and that's still the island's official name today. And on the mainland, the Communist Party declared a brand new Chinese state, the People's Republic of China, PRC for short. Now remember, the US wasn't exactly a fan of communism. And so it was the ROC in Taiwan that mostly got the international recognition, including a seat at the UN. But by the 1970s, that seat didn't really make sense anymore. The UN passed a resolution confirming the representatives from the PRC as the only lawful representatives of China to the United Nations. And so the ROC was out. We are being deserted. We are being forsaken. So what does all this mean for Taiwan's political status today? Well, it leaves it in that limbo we talked about at the beginning. Now, from Beijing's perspective, it's pretty clear. China is one country and Taiwan is part of it. Right now, the island governs itself, but Beijing's position is that eventually it'll be reunited with the mainland. And lately, Chinese President Xi Jinping has been emphasizing that a lot and linking it to his big policy known as national rejuvenation. So what about Taiwan's status? So what he said there was that the uh, Taiwan belongs to China, uh, in so many words, yeah. and that they need According to get back. According to Taiwan. Well, the president, Tsai Ing-wen, and her party have never fully accepted the idea that Taiwan is a part of China. But at the same time, they're not explicitly pushing for Taiwan to be recognized as independent. It is a bit of a fudge, really. They say that Taiwan is effectively independent, so they just want things to stay the way they are. Okay, so what about the U.S.? Well, their position is also a bit of a fudge. It even has an official name, strategic ambiguity. On the one hand, they do acknowledge that Taiwan is a part of China, and not an independent country. There's no official U.S. embassy in Taipei, for example. But on the other hand, they sort of want China to leave Taiwan alone. 
and the U.S. has suggested they would defend Taiwan militarily in certain circumstances. There are, are reports that the United States has made clear to China that it would defend Taiwan um, if um, Chinese attack is unprovoked. And on the flip side, that it's made clear to Taiwan that it will not come to Taiwan's aid um, if the Chinese attack is provoked. So that's the big picture. If things spin out of control, we could potentially be talking about a war between the U.S. and China. It means that when things are tense around Taiwan, it's a big deal. And things have been getting tense. Under President Donald Trump, the U.S. got a lot cozier with Taiwan than previous presidents. And Biden's administration has effectively continued in the same direction. Over in Taiwan, the political climate shifted in 2016 when President Tsai Ing-wen took over from a pro-Beijing president. She's been pretty outspoken against Beijing. And the question of Taiwan's status has taken on new significance after people in Taiwan saw what China did in Hong Kong. The people of Taiwan saw what they treated Hong Kong. We just realized that their promises. It's not something we can trust. Hong Kong uh, has been completely absorbed into China. The last remaining piece that is missing uh, is Taiwan. Then you add the fact that both Taiwan and China are expanding their military. So when we see headlines about China flying 150 warplanes near Taiwan and the U.S., according to this Wall Street Journal report, secretly deploying troops there, well, it's no small thing. The potential for war does exist. I do not think it is very high, but I do believe it is growing. And there are a few other factors that raise the stakes even higher when we're talking about Taiwan. First up, its location. It sits in what's called the first island chain in the Western Pacific that extends to Japan in the north, all the way down to Indonesia in the south, going through the Philippines. And uh, so if China were to take over Taiwan and deploy PLA forces in, you know, on Taiwan, that would truly pose an existential threat to Japan. And uh, Japan, of course, is a very important ally of the United States. Then there are those microchips we mentioned earlier. Taiwan is a world leader when it comes to semiconductor technology. The tiny chips that the world has come to rely on, they're in everything from smartphones to aircraft. As far as the smallest, most advanced chips go, around 90% of them are made in Taiwan. This actually is a capability that China is aspiring to. And so then there's this very important question of what would happen um, if China controlled that production. The other big thing about Taiwan is that it acts as a kind of lightning rod for the big political rivalry between the U.S. and China and how they see themselves and each other. From the Chinese perspective, it just seems like King of the Mountain, the U.S., uh, is the most powerful economic, military, and political uh, country in the world, and they want to stay that way. Taiwan is now um, a mature and vibrant democracy, and the United States has a long-standing commitment um, to protecting and advancing democracy. Let's not forget about the 24 million people who live there. A recent poll suggests around 10% of Taiwanese say they want unification with China at some point, 34% say they want independence at some point. But a majority, 51%, say they simply want to keep things the way they are forever. Most people believe that the best scenario for Taiwan, for the, uh, the, the short run at least, is just kicking the can down the road. 
helping Taiwan to preserve its freedoms, continue to have economic prosperity, having uh, a limited voice in the international community, uh, but being able uh, to essentially be an autonomous entity. Things with Taiwan might be ambiguous, but maybe it's better that way. Maybe Taiwan is an example where doing nothing is actually the best option. If you found that useful and want to know... Strate strategic ambiguity. <laughs> That's, that doesn't sound bold to me, but uh, it's an interesting topic. I don't know a lot about Taiwan. I did uh, cover Hong Kong uh, quite a bit, and uh, this seems to be going in the same direction. And when you think about Russia's interest in Crimea, it always involves, you know, a strait, a water passage, uh, you know, a port of entry, those types of things. They're very strategic um, entities. And, um, and, you know, a lot of people are drawing comparisons between Russia and Ukraine and China and Hong Kong and Taiwan. Uh, Russia, Ukraine, and Crimea and China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. So, um, Doug McGregor had some things he, he wanted to say about, uh, you know, he was on Tucker and he was talking about the Pelosi um, trip. Let's take a listen. Uh, here. Is the United States military in a position now to and of course, stage a, a war problem, with China? Is we're not <clears throat> well, of course not. You're 100% right on that topic. I think we have to admit that this is probably the most reckless and irresponsible administration in living memory. Uh, we don't have anyone that qualifies as a statesman. Statesmanship involves advancing American interests at the least cost to the American people. None of that is in play here. We're dealing with a group of posers, people who are posturing. Posturing is not statesmanship. And the American people need to understand something that no one has bothered to tell them. That during World War II, Taiwan was the unsinkable aircraft carrier of the Imperial Japanese Armed Forces. All the major invasions of China were launched from Taiwan. Beijing will not allow Taiwan to become a garrison state for American armed forces or Japanese armed forces or any foreign power. And if they think that we are going to ally ourselves with Taiwan, if they think we are going to intervene to defend that island in the event of a dispute, then we will be at war with China for the reasons that I just outlined. And we are not prepared for that. We are grossly overstretched. We don't have the logistical infrastructure. And frankly, there's an old adage that everyone should remember. A ship's a fool to fight a fort. You have to fight China from the sea. We can't win that. China can absorb everything we throw at it. And the Chinese are happy to sit there, let us travel thousands of miles to reach them, and then sink us. This... I don't know why every show on TV is not covering this right now. This seems like one of the craziest things that's happened in my lifetime. Do you have any speculation, any guess as to why the Biden administration would want this? Well, the Biden administration and its predecessors, frankly, treated everything that the Russian government said for the last 15 years about Ukraine with complete contempt. They're repeating that process. We see how well that's worked out in Ukraine. 
The Russians yeah. were always serious. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost in this war in Ukraine that we should have acted quickly to stop. Now we're provoking the Chinese over an, over an issue that is at least as strategically important to them. So, you know, it's <laughs> it does it's has has everybody scratching their head as to why Biden wants to engage with China in this way. That's why I opened this whole segment about China and Taiwan and I opened it with the idea that if you look at the way Trump was doing stuff, you know, you look he did it economically. Phase one, phase two, China was squirming. We were beating China at the boardroom. We were we were negotiating trade deals that were a great improvement over what we had. And then China's response was to go to the governors like Kemp. And then their response was COVID and unleash hell on the world. That was their response. And frankly, China has now been exposed because they were getting the Olympics. Remember, they got the Beijing Olympics twice. They were getting all kinds of global uh, appeal. And they were getting uh, great status, you know, as a developing being nation with the World uh, uh, Bank and, and other entities. And they were getting privileged treatment. They had a lot of leverage over at WHO. Despite their history of leaks, lab leaks. So they had a lot going for them. And then Trump basically matched them, measured up to them, and put them in their seat. And they were getting away with a lot. They were getting away with unfair business tr trade tactics. And Trump put a stop to that with phase one, phase two, Lighthizer, Navarro, Peter Navarro, all of these hawks, these these tough, these tough negotiators, uh, China really had met their match because America had a lot of leverage and flexibility, and flex, and flex, flexing our muscles. We had a lot of strength, enough to where we could we could beat them then, but now what we've done is we've deteriorated our economy so much. COVID has destroyed the world, but it's also particularly destroyed the largest economy in the world, which was the United States. We're seeing inflation at record levels uh, in terms of pace, not just the percentages, but the pace, the rapid, the rapid decline of America. You take a look at what the military is up to, you know, with their wokeism, white privilege, they want to study that, but they don't want to, you know, and, and they want to cut the uh, cut the uh, practice. Uh, they want want to cut the uh, camps and make them less stringent, uh, make the tests easier to pass. Uh, they're having recruiting crisis because people don't want to be marching alongside transvestite freaks. And, you know, uh, I read this meme the other day, and it said, uh, you know, I wasn't going to retweet it. And then I thought, you know, it's right. It's actually right. 
It said something uh, something to the effect that, um, oh, here it is. So this guy, don't know him, said straight people aren't homophobes. They just see a drag queen for what they are, an adult entertainer. Just like a stripper, neither one should be reading to our children while in costume. Fair. That, that to me was a fair enough statement. I, I really think that that's the case, but the same thing holds true with our military. You know, there's a time and a place for any of those things, but maybe not even. You know, it's bad for society, but who am I to judge? But what I'm saying is, you know, we all know that a sailor comes off, you know, in World War II, sailors would come off of a long leave, go to the <laughs> whatever, but you don't want the strippers on the boat while they're fighting a war, right? You know, that's the point that I'm trying to make inarticulately. So they're serious. Russia's serious. Putin's serious. Biden is trying to cover up the Biden crime family crimes. And there's a big difference. So the other big story uh, that uh, Tucker covered last night that I wanted to cover was Greg Norman is running the live golf thing. And you say, well, it's just golf. But it involves Saudi Arabia. We talked about this yesterday to a certain degree. And I find it fascinating. But I wanted to hear, I I just wanted to take a share a little bit about what Greg Norman had to say about this. And then I'm going to make a few comments about this, you know, what the PGA was up to and what live was up to, the connections with Saudi Arabia. And of course, you all know my position with Jamal Khashoggi. Um, I think the guy is, was a total globalist, anti-American uh, hater that aligned himself with a bunch of globalist socialists. Uh, they're as bad as any ter- tyrant that ever graced the earth. You know, Hitler was a tyrant. And Klaus Schwab is not far different than Adolf Hitler. Trust me. Oh, let's take a listen to Craig. Norman. Right, this year is a startup. Yes. Right? Because, quite honestly, back in February when we were ready to start up, there was a few obstacles thrown in our way from the PGA Tour. And so we had to pull our reins back a little bit. For our viewers who aren't following you, can you give us a sense of those obstacles? Well, that's when the book came out about Phil Mickelson. There was some, Phil Mickelson made some not so complimentary remarks about um, the Saudi, Saudi, where the money came from, and Saudi Arabia. And then the snowballs and create a bit of a dominoes or a scary effect. And the PGA Tour came in and they obviously did the right thing and trying to protect their monopoly came in and the the players backed off a little bit. So we had to regroup. We're ready to sign the next week. We're ready to sign multiple players and launch the league. So we decided to take a step back, analyze the situation. We knew our model was where it was. We knew our investor was still there. He wasn't going anywhere. The money was in the bank, right? So we just made an adjustment. And we worked around every obstacle that's been thrown in our path. So we came up with the invitational series to beta test lists, right? Now, with the fans, Tucker, we did a survey for nearly 12 months around the world asking fans from different tours... What are they like and what are they missing? And they came up, it was overwhelmingly more fan engagement, right? 
more yeah. fan experiences um, and team sport. Give us more teams. And that's, we built the model around that. And our model, Tucker, is 100% built around the golf ecosystem from the ground up. So we're not trying to just destroy the PGA Tour or the European Tour. We're there to work within the ecosystem to show that it's big enough space. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Billions and billions of dollars in the game of golf. Why would sponsors drop golfers for participating in Live? Tucker, that blows my mind. And sponsors, by the way, who spend billions of dollars in Saudi Arabia. The PGA Tour. It's <laughs> right? a good point. Right? The Can you P give us examples? I'll I'm give you a prime example. The PGA Tour, I think, has about 27 sponsors on the PGA Tour, do 40 plus billion dollars worth of business on an annual basis in Saudi Arabia. Now, why doesn't the PGA Tour call the, the CEOs of each one of those organizations? Oh, sorry, we can't do business with you because you're doing business with Saudi Arabia? Why are they picking on the professional golfers? Why? The male professional golfers. Females, the LPGA Tour, is sponsored by Aramco. Right? Literally? Literally. The largest sponsor of women's golf in the world is Aramco. That not one word has been said about them, right? But why is it why is it on the guys? Why are we the ogres? What have we done wrong? We're independent contractors. We have a right to go play wherever we want in the world for whatever we want. So what do you think that's about? It's clearly not about principle, obviously. So what is it about? It's a monopoly. They just want to shut us down whatever way they can, right? So they'll use whatever leverage point they can to shut us down. And they're not. They're not going to shut us down because the product's speaking for itself. We have my phone um, almost on a daily basis gets calls every day from players. One in, I want in. Can I? How can I join Live? Can I? I tell them I'm so sorry. The shop is closed, so the list gets longer and longer and longer for the players who want to come in. Which again, it's a testament to the the right white noise. Why is it so? offensive to some American golf fans that you're doing this? What are they mad about, do you think? I don't know. I really don't care, quite honestly. I just love the game of golf so much, and I just want to grow the game of golf. And and we at Live see that opportunity. We at Live see it not just for the men, but for the women. We at Live see it for NCAA and younger generations. We at Live see it as a pathway to opportunities for these kids to experience a, a new world out there. Live is the future of golf. And it's in more, it's just, that's a very simple phrase and comment, but is live is the future of golf because you have, you don't see what we see in the future. You don't see what we want to invest in the future, CSR programs. All right, so we have a caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Caller? Caller, you're on the air. Oh. Okay, well, we might get them back. Um, in any case, uh, the comments I want to make about that is is that um, you see that's that's globalism at work. That's big corporations, BlackRock corporations, basically wanting to control everything. That's what that's about. That's globalism. And you can't you can't do anything. If you're a threat, like Donald Trump was a threat, so they tried to annihilate him. And the fact is, is that PGA wouldn't even give Trump 
golf courses, the nicest golf courses in the world. Turnberry and you know uh, Doral and and and, and Bedminster, world class golf courses. And he's the president of the United States, and his only crime was to endorse America and put America first, secure our borders, strengthen our military, bring peace, restore peace to the Middle East, if if you can even use the word restore, because I don't think it ever happened until Trump. You know, right now we're dealing with another um, uh, situation uh, with Kosovo and Serbia, right? Um which is which is a sad, sad commentary because of the progress that was made. I said, and the hits keep just keep on coming. Trump, Trump, Abraham Accord paved the way for Serbia, Kosovo, normalizing economic relations. Biden ruined everything in a year and a half. And at that kind of breakneck speed to ruin everything, whether it's Afghanistan whether it's Kosovo and Serbia's uh, harmony that they had going on with regard to normalization of business relationships and also their intentions to do business with Israel because there's some uh, Muslim community, you know, Muslim populations in those countries. Um, They were opening up to these things because Trump took a tough position against the Palestinians and the Iranians who are basically death to America, death to Israel. That's all they stand for. And now you're having uh, turmoil in Baghdad, in Iraq, that's that's happening right now, just started. Um, and again, that is influenced. Every single time Iran gets a few shillings in their pocket, next thing you know, this turmoil gets financed and a coup is waged. You know, it's all about the oil and the instability and the vulnerability to where predators are going after the weaker links. They're looking at opportunities where they can succeed and where they the fight would be too too much or too expensive. And and Biden is making the playing field ripe for the picking for American-hating countries like Iran who are investing in conflict in Iraq once again. They couldn't afford to do that under Trump. Palestinians couldn't afford to do that, uh, to wage attacks against Israel because we weren't funding them. It takes a lot of money to finance these attacks into Israel. You know, uh, Iran was financing Hezbollah. Palestinians were financing Hamas. They basically took over a puppet state in, in Lebanon. And Syria was all part of that process of oil pipelines going into Europe. They uh, overthrew Libya and they had oil pipelines going down into Africa as a result. They destabilized Egypt. This was all done under the Obama regime. And it's being picked up again. And I don't know why people can't see it for what it is. That Biden is basically Obama 2.0. And that they're doing the same things on purpose. 
open borders to amnesty. And again, this is all being fueled and financed by corporations who want the cheap labor, the slave labor. So if you endorse, if you uh, like slave labor, you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, you support slave labor. That's, that's just all there is to it. If you're a Democrat, you support slave, slave labor. If you're a Democrat, you support drugging our children with fentanyl. If you're a Democrat, you support the incarceration of the Uyghurs in China. If you're a Democrat, you support uh, the, uh, the censorship and control from big tech. And if you're a Democrat, you support BlackRock and Vanguard and other companies like them, but mostly them, buying up and uh, uh, real estate, whether it's farmland, fertilizer plants, or housing markets, they're controlling everything. And as you know, the, the housing market right now is in the middle, is in the beginning stages of a massive collapse. And you're going to see this play out all the way into next year, all the way into the fall, and beyond that. And housing, you know, for people who own their home, stay put. Do not sell your house over the next 12 months. Just stay. Be happy that you, you don't have to pay a mortgage. The mortgage rates are going to go up. And uh, unless you got a fixed rate, you know, of course. But uh, if you have a variable rate, your rates are going to go way up. And that's going to be a real problem for you. Um, and like Klaus Schwab said, you'll own nothing and be happy. Which is also, you know, think about it. You know, I've talked about this for years now, but the the main thing is think about the music and think about what most people are doing in the city with cars. It's no longer even a cab, it's a it's a shared car. You know, you, you uh put it put something into your phone app, you basically tell the phone gods, you know, the tech gods, uh where you're going to be, where you're going, where you're leaving from. You're basically telling them everything about your life and your health records are online your travel whereabouts are online your gps tells you everything shoot they even have the data collected from your refrigerator and what kind of temperature you keep it at and what's the temperature in your house you know everything the information that they're gathering for you they know more about you than you because you're not studying your behavior they are and they know more about you than you. They know what you're going to do next. And they got these listening devices. I'm guilty of it. I, I can't tell you how many times I have, have to go somewhere. I put it into a Lyft or an Uber. And it already knows. It, it already came up with the address. Like I put one number. I didn't even put a number in. It was just there. Boom. How in the world did it know to do that? But yeah, under Trump, um, it says Serbia and Kosovo leaders signed a landmark agreement on mainly economic issues on Friday. Uh, well, that was Friday then. Uh, this was September 4th, 2020, before the election, on mainly economic issues. This was a, a really in the, in the face of the Abraham Accords, not in the wake of it, but as it was all developing. 
the Gulf states were starting to do business with. Uh, they were starting to do business with the uh, uh, Israel, and 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 a whole host of other things. So uh, we have John from Chicago three times this week. I think we, we were in the last week. Hey, hey. Yes, well, I'm back in the game here. Um, I, I um, just the the Serbia Kosovo thing really prompted me to call. I was reading about this a couple of months ago on, on different sites, looking at you know not not New York Times, looking at it from a different perspective. Sites that you know looked at both sides talked about this is the next brush fire, and it's not happening by accident. The Serbia Kosovo thing, I bet on my bottom dollar, if you get down to it. The U.S. is in this up to its neck. The reason why is because they're trying to create trouble for Russia in Serbia because Serbia is you know, called referred to as Little Russia, right? They're, right, they're that's right. They're a very close ally yeah, of yes. Russia. That's a big reason why, probably the reason why um, the Russians got involved. In yeah, World now War I. and now NATO is prepared to intervene and get involved as well, and you know that's going to mess things up. Exactly, and they're doing this to try to either a humiliate or goad Russia into a conflict, which is not going to end well for NATO. It's just such a stupid idea. But these are these are really stupid people who overestimate their they overestimate their prowess. Let's just say, but this should not happen. I mean, the Kosovo is not is only a country because we and NATO inserted it there in the heart of southeastern Europe, a Muslim country in the heart of southeastern Europe that was never there, and we put it there. Why? Is a client state, and now we're starting to brew trouble between them and Serbia. They, oh, we're going to get involved to try to do something to Serbia, which the figure will force Russia's hand while it's busy in Ukraine. It is really sinister, and they don't give a darn about the coast of our lives or the Serbian lives. Lives they're all they're all cannon fodder, just like uh, the Ukrainians were in order to degrade and quote weaken Russia as uh, as that idiot we have as Defense Secretary Austin said. So that that's what is going on. I read this. I had an argument with someone over this uh, over uh, July Fourth over this over uh, Independence Day celebration about this, saying, "Look, this you watch. This is next. Oh, you show me an article." Well, in a, a month later, it's happening exactly like I told the guy because I'd read this a couple months ago, and it makes sense. So that's the only thing I wanted to say about that guy. The other thing is you mentioned about the lo- the, uh, the the rates. You're darn tooting about the rates; they're going to go up, and if you've got a mortgage. Thankfully, I do. Um, you keep it. Now, if it keeps going up, though, if you've got cash, you might get some great bargains because in crises, there are great cash bargains. And if you look at the uh, the German inflation of the early 20s, I read once that um, if you had the equivalent of 327, you could buy a Mercedes company at the low in the, uh, the Depression in Germany for 327, the cost of 327 of their cars. Wow. You know, if you think about it, there, there were some incredible bargains. It was for a short period of time, and yes, it was unusual, right? The wheelbarrows full of marks. But you could buy, you know, a, a beautiful, nice apartment in Berlin for either 100 bucks or 1000 bucks, you know, in today's dollars. Some, some kind of amazing, you know, bargain versus what you could get in the U.S. at the time. So you never know what will pop up. I'm not saying that's going to happen, and I hope not, because that portends terrible things. But, but you know, that's the, the, the upside is if you got cash, you might do well. Right. That's right. That's absolutely right. If you could drop it down and not have to worry about uh, paying a mortgage and just drop down a pile of cash uh, on a foreclosure, 
You're going to be sitting pretty. Exactly. And that's what Donald Trump said, by the way. I don't know if you recall, but he said, um, he said, you know, bad mar- down markets are great for a guy like me. He said, I gobble up property left and right on bad markets. And they got on him for that. Like, oh, he he's wishing ill upon America. No, he didn't say that. He was basically speaking like you and I are speaking about that subject. There's a lot of opportunity out there in a bad market. Well, what they say, when you know, the time, I think it was Lord Palmerston, who was reputed to have said, the time to make a fortune or the time to make money is when there's blood in the street. Yeah, and then it uh, reminds and, me... Uh, and- it reminds me of never let yeah. a good crisis go to waste, right? And that's why well, that's they create true. these crises. They create these chaos and crises because they're the uh, maestros orchestrating the whole thing, and they know where all, all you know where where all the skeletons are. Well, I'll leave you with this: if you ever uh, watch any South Park, which is uh, very often right on the mark, they had an episode with uh, Butters playing. Uh, the role of General Chaos, and uh, you know he he wanted to be you know a superhero super villain. He was Chaos, General Chaos, and that's what these people are. They're, that's what Biden is. That these people are General Chaos. They don't know how to. And I've said this to you before. I know we've talked about it. They don't know how to build. They only know how to destroy. That's and right. They're General Chaos. That's what these people are. That's, that's right. Biden's nickname for me. That's so right. Yeah. I'll leave you there. All right. Thanks a lot, John. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. All right. All right. Well, um, you know, I have a clip I'm going to play. It's a short clip. Uh, Take a listen to this one. This is John Fetterman, right? Listen to this. ...that they passed the the massive COVID relief bill, but also more work needs to be done. It's very encouraging that they passed the, 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 the massive COVID relief bill, but also more... So I said this to that. John Fetterman's going against uh, Dr. Oz, right, in Pennsylvania for the Senate seat. Uh, The COVID relief spending bill subsidized liberals who controlled people and caused inflation by devaluing the U.S. dollar. Now liberals want to pass another spending bill called the Inflation Reduction Act to advance climate change to control people and, and raise inflation even higher. So it's all about power and control with the Democrats. And it's not about freedom. And it's not about restoring the middle class to greatness. It's not about any of that. It's about redistribution of wealth. And Obama said it to Joe Plummer out loud. Uh, and they're carrying through with all of that as we speak. Well, listen, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out org to find out how we're advancing America First Policies to Make America Great Again. Also, if you're over at MyPillow.com, check out those mattresses. I'm telling you. We got a uh, link on our website over at RedStateTalkRadio.com. But use Red State as your promo code, and you'll be glad you did. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.